Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Kia ora and hello. I've been asked to tell you about No Labels, the radio show for, by, and about people living with disabilities. The show offers interviews and news about the disability sector in Aotearoa, New Zealand. On Wellington's Access Radio 106.1 FM. Find us on Facebook or go to www.accessradio.org.nz. No Labels, our voice for you on Access Radio. Hello and welcome, I'm Mike Gawley. Today's show marks the International Day of Persons with Disabilities. And we're doing that by playing edited highlights of last month's Cryptolith event, a poetry showcase offering the radical possibilities of the mind, body and senses. It features the writings of disabled writers like Cadence Chung, B. Trudgeon, Creative Kate, Henry Bollinger, Maytal Noy, Stella Crothers and Trish Harris, and all are created by Wellington writer Helen Vivian Fletcher. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. No mai, haere mai, ki te Verb Readers and Writers Festival 2022. Ko Helen Vivian Fletcher, aho. Welcome to Radical Possibilities of the Mind, Body and Senses. I'd like to acknowledge that we are here on the iwi lands of Te Ati Awa Taranaki Whanui and Nati Toa Rangatira. Tonight I stand here with an immense amount of gratitude in my heart. Firstly, thank you to our amazing hosts, RTBs, um, for their support of Lit Crawl. I'm sure you're all loving being surrounded by the books as much as I am. Thank you also to Verb's key funders, Creative New Zealand and Wellington City Council, whose support means that Verb can continue their beautiful mahi of sharing the work and worlds of writers. In previous Verb festivals, I've had the pleasure of being a part of Cryptolit sessions as one of the disabled writers. And this year, I was absolutely honoured to be asked to curate this poetry show. Cryptolit was founded in 2016 by Trish Harris and Robin Hunt as a way to champion the work of disabled writers. As I'm sure you're all aware, disabled writers have not always been respected. Disabled people have not always been respected. So it fills my soul to see so many of you here eagerly waiting to hear the words of the incredibly talented poets behind me. So, who are these poets? B. Trudgeon is a writer, rocker, stroller, strummer, mama, storyteller, dancer, children's librarian and perpetual student. If that wasn't enough, her alter ego, Grace Beaster, posts a poem a week year round and a poem a day every April. Cadence Chung is a poet, student and musician from Wellington, currently studying at the New Zealand School of Music. She is autistic, queer and Asian and takes inspiration from antique stores, Tumblr text posts and dead poets. Creative Kate is a poet, producer, performer, photographer and preacher. More often than not, she is the person raising up other people's voices and so it's lovely that we get to hear hers tonight. Henrietta Bollinger has been performing poetry since 2009. They also write in other forms and have had plays performed in New Zealand, Australia and England, which is pretty damn impressive if you ask me. Poet and educator Maisie Chilton-Tressler explores the intersection of trauma, disability and radical vulnerability in both her writing and art. 
Her work is motivated by the urge to heal and process complex experiences via the mediums of painting and poetry. 13-year-old Maytel Noy is a high school student, published writer, and our youngest poet of the night. In my opinion, also one of the bravest. Artist and poet Stella Carruthers' work is inspired by both her mental health journey and her experience living with a chronic pain condition. Stella uses poetry as a means of self-expression, and for her, creativity always acts as a healing and transformative force. Trish Harris is a writer of poetry, non-fiction, and children's fiction. She is also founder of Cryptolit, co-founder of Cryptolit. Got Robin down here. <laughs> And we are all incredibly thankful to her for bringing us together. As you can see, these poets all wear many hats. And so a huge thank you to all of them for saying yes to wearing this one and sharing their beautiful words and stories with us tonight. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome our first poet of the night, Maisie Children's Tressler, to the stage. Uh, so, my first poem is called Swim. Swim. First there was the womb, then the exile. Life welcomed me into its arms of black water, demanded I swim. The cold took my breath away. Mother, mother, catch me, mother. Hold, stretch out those olive arms. Mother, pull me inward. Kick. Kick, straighten your legs, kick harder. Father teaches me to survive. Blink, blink, tilt the head back. Mother sees black water filling eyes. You learn to know it's working when you can taste the bitterness in the back of your mouth. You, the expert in blinking things back. Move those arms now, darling. Open up that hand and swim. M move your body for our sweetheart. Show us how you'll tilt, bend. Show us how you'll walk now. Bend over, let me see that spine. Doctor, doctor, tell me I'm a good girl. Run your fingers up my puzzled bones. Tell me my foundations are right enough, straight enough, able enough to survive. Show us how you'll float, dearest. Make it look easy now. The key is to relax. Didn't you know? Your smile is so beautiful, little one. Sorry. <laughs> Give us a show. The sun moves behind the houses, turning slowly dark as the light gains. Peach tree shows where they cut her, bone flesh, and I am tired. Tired of self. Soothing, self-medicating, self-induced coma, me, the doctor, stop. Stop till the black water pools round your eyes. You were still cold, just numb. I am here, I am here, I am here, I am nowhere to be found. Thank you. Uh, and next we have Trish. Kia ora koutou. I've got two poems as well. Um, 
This first one I'm going to read out. Uh, several years ago, many years ago now, some friends and I did the Central Otago Rail Trail. One of those friends is here tonight. Um, and they were on bikes. I was in my power wheelchair. And I never thought it would be possible for me to be outside, on the land, in the land, in that way. So this poem's a little bit about that. In the Gaps. We power and pedal along the embankment, bikes and a wheelchair. Two wheels good, four wheels better. In the past, the train spread its weight on a line of steel, wheels whirling and clacking across the land. The land is so big and so wide. It stretches from the corner of that eye to the corner of this eye. It stretches me and leaves me spare, the width, the breadth, the depth of it all. At McRae's mining, they're big on depth, the deepest hole to find the shiniest gold. In the gorges, they're big on drop. Trees loiter in the creases, greening the places where water collects. In the tunnels, they're short on all dimensions, no one sees beyond themselves, or even themselves. We power and pedal regardless, through the tunnels, beside the gorge, around the corners, the land stretching us, our spirits becoming thin enough to let in light as the sun sets across the Maniatoto. Thank you. I'd like to welcome Maytel to the stage. A power, intense, concentrated. My ancestors dead. My grandmother with no visitors. The cooking books on the shelves. How much to eat in the next meal. The wood in the floor that once belonged to trees. The family I will have. My teeth, white and shiny. Out of this impossibility, the knowledge of their lives and deaths. The thought of a man on the street, on seeing me, thinking I am a woman or a girl, hurts, makes me want to peel back my flesh like an orange rind and remain a skeleton. So much has happened today. I've walked past a terrible thing and smiled and waved and raised my hand to thank him for letting me cross the street. Why am I so much better now? It's unsettling. I am sick, and nothing is possible when, in that second, I could flick a wrist and kill you. This moment is alive, so confident and harsh. If I scooped it up in my palm, it would be stockily built and robust. I could have not existed if my great-grandparents had been killed with the rest of them. This moment when I realised the intensity of inherited impossibility. I'm the result of the books that the old men wrote while their wives fell in love with other women. This recovery is a shard of cornflakes stuck in my teeth. Nothing is possible except the next minute where I can run outside and laugh in the face of my fears, then run into the house and shake inside the cupboard, stuffing the rich warm chocolate inside my mouth to make me feel less numb with joy. This illness, they say, has a cure. And I'm not afraid to say that that is what is healing me, these pills I take. 
and not tenacity or hope or courage. Because if this is not an illness and I cannot detach myself from it and become a thing entirely apart from it, then this mess would become uglier. Um, I'd now like to welcome onto the stage Stella. Um, I've got two poems. My first one is called Mrs. Carlo, and it's after one of my favourite artists. Mrs. Carlo, you lived with a broken body, yet painted out your pain in the form of butterflies emblazoned on the very cast that was both protection and prison. I see you, dark birds of brows beating down, drawing gossamer wings and colouring them neon bright light. You are making something out of your hardship, and I find that astounding, because until recently I have lived a cloistered life. There is little to speak of but work and walking, unless you ask me about how to knit lace or crochet flowers. I want to be strong because I know how to make things, yet I am also vulnerable because they can be broken. On some days, I breathe in shallow gasps because I feel like my bones are melting glass. They're liquid and hot and feel like they're dripping through my skin. It is on this kind of pain day that I wish for a visible wound or a scar, something to signify how much it really hurts because unlike her, Unlike my artist muse, I have no visibly damaged leg nor back brace to hold a broken body together. My pain is silent. It is hidden. It is invisible. It is because of this hidden pain that I decide to make my own reality. I buy books of embroidery stitches to teach me how thread can become stamen and petal. I make soups for the soul. They are silky with coconut cream and Asian greens. I hem thrift shop dresses and use the scraps to make quilts to warm the soft animal of my body. But I pluck the hairs growing between my brows and wear my hair out loose rather than woven around my forehead in a dark, plaited crown. Too often, when the pain gets too much, Instead of painting, I lie in bed and stare at a screen streaming images of actors. They always have happy endings. But right now, I'm more interested in beginnings. Whether happy or not matters little to me. I want to start something, make something, be something more than a woman drowning in a bed of blue. So, with a pen in my fist and words flowing from its nib, I describe an Edenic garden. I populate it with delicately stitched images of women who cry bloody tears. Birds fly from their foreheads. In my Eden, I decorate my breasts with blooms, weave jasmine through my braids and wear long skirts so when I walk, it looks like I am flying. And I think, if a woman were a flower, she could be gifted to take the pain away. Uh, we've got creative Kate up next. Um, in a break with the tradition of the evening, I have just the one poem for you, and it is a very different flavour um, to the others. So this is called Body Swap. 
I once told an ex-partner that I wished he could exist in my body for a day so that he could feel what it was what life is like for me. Maybe have a smidgen more empathy for my situation. He said, no thanks. When we broke up, he gaslit me, saying I hadn't been honest about my disabilities from the beginning, as if he hadn't called an ambulance for me that time I busted my back so badly putting on a pair of tights. Dick. Specifically a narcissistic dick. I would love to swap bodies and have my freaky Friday movie dreams come true. Ideally, I'd be able to hop into whomever's body I so please, with enthusiastic consent, of course. None of your being John Malkovich deception doors or magical, miracle, unpredictable thunder and lightning where you have no choice and comedy hijinks ensue. No, this will be clinically overseen well-planned and executed with contracts and everything and a known time period of swappage. I don't want to leave someone in my body for too long. That wouldn't be fair. I would like the opportunity to fuck myself, though. I'd have that written into the contract. I have to know what this priceless pussy feels from the other side. This also makes me wonder about the possibility of engineering my own clone who lives without all my issues and swapping into them. Imagine how unstoppable I would be. Shame about the ethical considerations, though. Not very kind, is it? And also, what if it's not all my disabilities that mean I can't do stuff and I am just lazy like I've always been told? I'd also want to body swap with people who are even more disabled than me. Give them a day wandering around as my sexy self while I get to count my blessings in a wheelchair-bound body, which is where I'm likely headed in the not-too-distant future. The body swap clinic would have its five minutes of fame before red tape and lawsuits and epic fuck-ups where bodies are left without an inhabitant or both bodies are smushed together Frankenstein-style and questions about souls and brains and who we are become too much for even the philosophers who have literally made it their life's work and their brains implode and they have to admit defeat and become baristas. The technology will thus be dismantled and the blueprints locked in a vault like the one in Indiana Jones with the Ark of the Covenant. Everyone will revert back to having to exist in their own bodies, broken or otherwise, and live their lives as best they can with what they've got. But someone, somewhere, will always dream of a future where body swapping becomes the norm and gaslighting narcissistic dick ex-boyfriends learn a little fucking empathy. Thank you. I'd like to welcome Henrietta to the stage. Never done this poem from um, up a flight of stairs before, so it gives it a different kind of um, ambience, I think. Um, this is one of the first um, poems, one of the first performance poems that I wrote. Um, and I haven't brought it out for a while, but it is about to be published, so I thought I would do that. Um, I should say before I before I read it that I do um, like my chair, um, but this is about that my chair gives me some freedom, and this is about a different kind of freedom of getting out of it. Let the metal beast sulk. You've been down. Maybe it's just that you have to be close to the ground for the world to speak so the things you hear don't punch you any lower because there's bound to be mud and blood and worm halves down there. 
And ever since I started growing up, there have been people teaching me to rebel against this body, and sometimes I do. But that's only when I forget to ask why. Why they worry about the architecture of my soul when they built the stairs that exist in my world. Ever since I started growing up, there have been people teaching me to rebel against this body and you write to tell me I have wings. In some days we ditch the chair behind a tree, let the metal beast sulk unseen. You on guard, I lower myself to all fours. My arms cave. And though I sense you move, there is no panicked flurry of motherly limbs. You wait to be asked. I fall to commando in the grass. Arm, arm, drag legs deliciously wet. Arm, arm, drag. Muddy shoes. A perfect novelty. Arm, arm, drag legs. Scuff shoes. Scuff. And I ask, can we just stay here? Like, forever? Yeah. Why not? Thank you. Um, I'd like to welcome Cadence up to the stage next. Hello. I'm Cadence. I will be reading two poems for you today. The first one is called Appointment Transcript Number 55. I wrote this while I was in the process of being diagnosed with autism and just feeling very poked and prodded and having my sort of reality questioned. So that's what this is about. It'll just be your regular rinse out, check up, punch up, piss up, sucker punch, drop kick that leaves your mouth tasting like soap and iron. Tell me about your childhood. Did you get along well with your smooth liver, your waxy eyes, your veins spiralling blue-green under such a dainty layer of skin? This won't hurt a bit, which is to say it'll hurt a lot, but because I said it shouldn't, you'll hold it in and we'll feel bad crying about it later. Taxonomize this. Translate these papers into every jargon you have in the hopes that even one word might make sense to somebody out there. The dog submerging its body in the lake does not know it is an animal. You know you're an animal, and you also know you're trying not to be one, which is what causes all the problems. The problems. You'd be unstoppable if not for the problems, you say. But the trouble is that there will always be problems, and none of them have easy fixes, easy diagnoses to tuck away into, which is to say, the animal thing to do would be to kill. The human thing to do would be to want to, but to nail file away at your incisors until they only grind with molar dullness. I know you've been dreaming about raw steaks coming out of an oven, which might be some sort of symbol of transformation, and also might not be. An iric criticism is for the weak-willed, insomniac, bad dream-havers of the world, and you'd better not become one of them. Have you been wearing your retainer at night? Or have you been letting your teeth slowly return to their crooked, natural state, like a valley of thorns? See those marks right there? They mean that you have been biting down on invisible prey. On and on, I'm sure this must be boring, but you can sit there and watch reality TV on silent for years, if you really try. I'm afraid our time is nearly up, because everyone is running out of time and getting older and older and older, but not wiser. So is there anything else you'd like to say before we finish? Yes, you've been flossing. And no, you're not a good person. Good, good. That's what I like to hear. That's what we all like to hear. Thank you.
sometimes I wake up like this and uh, sometimes I wake up like this. Darkness comes against my will. Reach for telephone and pills. Sunshine calls and final too. Sleep and dreams compound me still. Say I'll rest when I am dead. Younger voices in my head. I know I will be okay. Just another trying day. Optimism versus ill. It's the way that I was made. Optimism versus ill. Just another trying day. 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 That's Cryptolit, an event recorded at RTB's bookshop on the evening of 5th November. First crafted by disabled women writers Trish Harris and Robin Hunt, Cryptolit events are an integral part of Verb Wellington. And to mark the International Day, we'll be broadcasting the whole event this coming Saturday. Check our website for details. Until next time, I'm Mike Gordy, looking forward to your company then. Ka kete anō. That programme was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.